everybody. Welcome to Where Work Meets Life. I'm Dr. Laura, and I'm delighted to be here today with Megan Reed. Let me tell you a bit about Megan Reed. I've known her since 2013, and I am so excited to actually be interviewing her about the topic of too bad to stay, too good to leave, making purposeful career pivots. Megan is a leading career psychologist in Canada. She is co-founder of Canada Career Counseling. Megan began her journey with an honors degree in psychology from the University of Western Ontario, followed by a master's degree in psychology from McGill University. She went on to work with me at Calgary Career Counseling uh, for a few years before moving back to Toronto and co-founding Canada Career Counseling in downtown where she has helped hundreds of clients figure out intentional career changes and moves. And she leads a team of career psychologists and psychotherapists um, in our Toronto office. And during this great resignation that the world is going through, otherwise known as the great reevaluation, people are, are making changes and figuring out what they really truly want to do when they grow up. Uh, careers or jobs can be unfulfilling at best and complete recipes for burnout at worst. So today I wanted to explore why people stay in jobs that may be damaging them and what people need to consider when they're thinking about going, should I stay or should I go? Welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thanks for having me, Laura. I'm, I'm happy to join you and happy to be talking about this topic. Wonderful. So tell us, Megan, a bit more about why you love helping people with their careers. Well, I'm somebody who's always been drawn to helping other people and solving people's problems. And so it's a value thing for me. It's something that's super fulfilling and super motivating for me. Um, I think that's how I got into the counseling space in general. And finding career counseling, what I really enjoy about it particularly is that I think it's a it takes a good balance of the empathy and compassion and active listening and the, the psychotherapy skills, plus a balance of critical thinking, strategic thinking and business acumen. And so I really like straddling um, both of those worlds and, and using both of those skill sets. Wonderful. And aren't you good at it, Megan? I mean, I can definitely attest to that. People often don't understand why career counseling um, is needed or that it even exists. And what are your clients most surprised about when they start to work with you or your team at Canada Career Counseling? Well, I would say you're right, first of all, that uh, we hear all the time at Canada Career Counseling that people didn't even realize career counseling or a service like this existed. Uh, I think one misconception uh, is that People often think career counseling, if they did know it existed, they think it's about resume writing or getting a job. And it's a lot deeper than that. It's, it's technically psychotherapy, what we're providing, and it's dealing with the emotional impact on a person, their confidence, their decision making, the skills they need to address their challenges and helping navigate what a good career transition would look like. Uh, the other thing I'd say people are sometimes surprised about is that we can also help with things outside of career-related challenges because of our designations and our training in, in mental health and counseling. Um, 
a lot of clients will work with us through their career counseling challenges and then maybe stay on with us for help with their you know, relationship or other mental health concerns. And that's something they're often surprised or worried about, like, oh, I didn't know I could talk to you about these sorts of things, too. So I would say it's a, a balance of those things. Wonderful. And I know people have misconceptions um, about changing careers in general. So can you tell us the biggest misconception that you're hearing from your clients when you first start meeting with them? Yeah, I'd say there's two things actually that that kind of come to mind for me as far as misconceptions about changing careers. The first one is that people often feel like if they were to make a career change that they've failed or they've wasted time. And I look at it so differently because I look at it like everything that someone has done in their life, whether it's their work experience, their education, it's all something that you can reflect on and learn from, and you can use that information strategically to make a new and better decision for yourself. So all of that information, everything in the past, it's not a waste of time or it's not failing. It's it's gold and it's useful to make better decisions in your life. Um, and if you can make a change and be happier and like something more, why wouldn't you do that? So I think reframing that wasting time or I'm failing. It's not that you can't keep doing what you're doing. It's that why would you if you don't enjoy it? The other misconception I would say is that people automatically assume if they're going to make a career transition that they have to go back to school and get another degree. I hear that one you know, at least once or twice a week. And I would say, depending on the transition or the career that they're considering, school could be a component of, of the transition. But a lot of the clients that I work with have the transferable skills and the network that they can leverage to support the transition they want to make. And they don't have to go back to school or they definitely don't need to get another degree at least. Right. So a lot of common misconceptions happening up there. And I, I mean, from my experience with career counseling, people get stuck in their own heads uh, or they get stuck with the same messages over and over from the same people in their lives, maybe their partner, their parents, and it's like a broken record of the same thing. So getting a different perspective of how change can really happen, which brings me to my next question, Megan. What are the top reasons people get stuck in a career that may be soul-sucking or draining them and they're stuck despite suffering? I think there's a few a few common ones that I see. The first big one is feeling trapped. They feel stuck. It's sometimes it's a, a case of golden handcuffs where they have stability or a decent salary or the benefits or the pension, and they don't think there's anything else that's going to be as good. Um, and so they feel like they can't make the change. They're trapped. That's, that's a big one why people get stuck even when they're really unhappy. The other big reason I would say is that they don't know what career to change to or how to make an informed decision about making a career transition. And they're worried that they'll make the wrong choice or they'll just get into something new and be unhappy again. So that can also prevent them from moving forward. And then to your point, I think, messaging and pressure from others feeling like what will other people think or my partner or my parents won't support this transition or they're going to think negatively about me and so that worry about what other people will think could be a an, or is another another reason 
isn't that the truth? And I think people will relate, whether it's themselves listening to this episode or whether it's their child, uh, their teenager, if it's their spouse or their friend. I think we can safely agree that most people out there have people in their lives going through these sorts of struggles. Would you agree, Megan? Absolutely. And I think it is a misconception. Another misconception I hear is that everybody else has it figured out. Everybody else is happy. But when you really start digging into it, there's a lot of people who most people don't have it all figured out. Some people are happy in their jobs, but there's a lot of people who aren't and they just haven't taken those steps to figure out what would make them happier. Exactly. And I, in my career as an organizational psychologist, I've certainly seen a lot of very difficult and toxic workplaces and difficult bosses and and those sorts of things. And amidst this all is this great resignation where people are questioning, do I need to stick around for that? So how have you noticed the great resignation impacting your clients, Megan? Well, I've I've definitely seen it at play. I still sometimes get questions. Is it a real thing? And I would say, from my vantage point, yes, people are making moves and making transitions like crazy. And I see people changing jobs, changing careers, starting side hustles, starting their own businesses. So there's lots of movement happening. I think um, the really big impact was COVID. I think people experiencing work from home and working from home for the first time that really changed the game and it changed the expectations that people had um, for for what they wanted for themselves and what they expected from employers. And I think things had already or have already been progressing and changing over time from, you know, the stereotypes of the traditionalists and the boomers being loyal to a company uh, for their entire life to Gen X's and millennials knowing that they likely make career changes throughout their career. That's the messaging that was given. But COVID really sped things up and, and impacted things. It, it, it sure did. And what I, I'm noticing are some organizations are trying to act in response to this great resignation. But what do you see from, from your clients as some of the biggest misses of organizations in retaining their talent through this great resignation period? Mm. There's three things that come to mind for me. I think the first one is that organizations and, and leadership doesn't necessarily prioritize the career development and the motivations of their high performing talent. So I think that's a big miss that, you know, organizations do things in a certain way, or these are the options that they offer, and they don't work or collaborate enough with those high performers to meet their needs. And so high performers exit and look elsewhere. The second one I would say is issues with leadership. There's a lot of people who move into management positions that haven't had proper training or don't have the skills to be a good leader. They've they've learned from on the job and just seeing what their manager, what their leader did, but they haven't actually been given any explicit coaching or training around the skill sets to be a good leader. And the third one would be lack of flexibility around how things are done. I see that organizations sometimes focus a lot on how things are done, the process, or we need you in office on these days, as opposed to the outcome. 
the achievements of their team or the the employees. And that's at the end of the day, what it's about. What is the output? What do you need from your employees to continue effectively running your business? And organizations aren't adapting to new ways of working as well as they could be. They're not as flexible as they could be. Yeah, yeah, isn't isn't that true? And I I'm waiting to see how this pans out in the fall. So being a future of work thought leader myself, and and the work that I've done uh, through that with uh, Work Evolution and Umans, we've really focused on how do you retain talent um, through flexibility and true flexibility, not um, you know rigid policies. And it's easy to fall back on policies and processes, but what is truly going to motivate the human being behind the worker. Well, and underlying what you're saying and and the reasons that I shared, it really boils down to employees feeling valued and not in stereotypical ways. Like we have this incentive program and so we give you this incentive. It's the more personal human touch, my particular life and and feeling valued, like you appreciate the work I'm doing and you recognize the things that are going on in my life and you're happy to work with me so that we can have a win-win outcome. You can get what you need as my boss and as the organization and I can get what I need as an employee and we're all happy. That's the ideal outcome. Absolutely. But I would say it takes skill to have those conversations and how many leaders are trained in, in having those deep conversations or motivating conversations? Very few. <laughs> exactly. Therein lies one of the biggest challenges. Um, so let's turn our attention to how we can be more proactive early in people's lives. So my son is going into grade 12, figuring out what he wants to do. Of course, he's worked with Calgary Career Counseling because I wouldn't miss that opportunity. The more kids we can get between grade 11 and grade 12, uh, it's, it's a magical time to figure out a path. And some people say, well, they don't know what they want to do at that age. It's too early. And I say, well, it's not too early to discover the right path, but then they can pivot within that path. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Megan? Like how young is too young and, and what's the value of getting them in high school? I think it starts uh, very early on. And I think if I go back, even in my personal uh, history and back to my kindergarten report card, when I read it, it screamed psychologist to me what was written about me by my teacher. And of course, it was not identified at that time. I had no clue I wanted to be a psychologist. But in hindsight, looking back, it all kind of tracks and makes sense. Who I was as I grew up and through my school years is who I am today. And so I think um, I could talk all, all day about this topic, but I think it's the messaging that young people get about careers and how to make career decisions. It's really dated and really stereotypical. And I think that more focus should be put on understanding themselves, not just the experiences and exposure to different things, but taking the time to reflect and kind of get insight on the things that they do. So for example, transferable skills, it's good to know that you got an A plus on this paper, but why did you get an A plus? What are the skills that you used? Digging a little deeper above and beyond just the achievement, but what led to that achievement? Um, what are they passionate about? What do they enjoy? What motivates them? And I'm somebody uh, 
that didn't find my passion till later in life. So there might be lots of kids out there who don't feel passionate about anything and that's okay. What are you interested in? How do you like to spend your time? What are the shows that you watch on TV? Digging into all those little nuances really helps you understand yourself. And from there, eventually you can get to, okay, once you understand yourself, what drives you, what problems you want to solve in the world, then you can start to identify what kind of occupations or what industries would fit. But I think it's shifting shifting or flipping the script on how we match to jobs. I think now a lot of it is here are the jobs that exist. Which one can you fit yourself into as opposed to don't even think about the jobs that are out there. Think about what you would want to be doing and then identify opportunities that could, could fit you. Exactly. And sometimes it's opportunities that don't even exist yet, but it's heading in the path of those um, potential opportunities, right? Oh, yeah. If we think about the jobs that when we were in school that existed at that time, you know, almost beginning of the internet compared to what the world is now, you know, we, we've heard it for a long time that the jobs we're training students for don't exist yet, but it is so true. And that's why it's so important not to just focus on here's the job title and here's what I can fit myself into uh, more, more so focusing on you as a person, what you enjoy, what you want to be doing, how you want to spend your time, and then identifying those opportunities that could align and, and be a good fit for you. Absolutely. So what do you wish schools would do more of? And what do parents need to be thinking of um, during this period of, say, high school? Oh, that's a good question. I think parents put a lot of pressure on students to get good marks. And it's, I do think education and post-secondary education is very valuable and research shows us it's very necessary for the, the jobs that are out there. But I think letting your child explore and taking that time to reflect on the experiences that they have. So like I said, it's not just about putting your child in these activities or making them do these things. It's taking the time to discuss it with them afterwards. What did they like? Why did they enjoy it? Things like that, the, the insight and the reflection. Wonderful. So for our listeners who are struggling with a job that they're unhappy in, what's the first step that you recommend, Megan? Well, I would say the, f the first step I would recommend is to reach out for help. And whether that's from a career counselor or a psychologist or a mentor, I think I would say talk to somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. Get some support from somebody. And if it is someone that has the experience or expertise in mental health or career transitions, all, all the better. The second thing I would say if someone is is just kind of identifying that they have a challenge or that they are feeling stuck, I would recommend sitting down and taking some time to write down a list of the reasons why they haven't made a change or why they don't think they could make a change. What are those challenges or roadblocks that they're facing? Write them down and that can really serve you in two different ways. I think the first one is sometimes when you write things down and, and look at them with a fresh set of eyes, you realize it's not actually that big of a roadblock or that big of a challenge. So for example, you know, if it's, I make 
$75,000 at this job. I can't leave it. I need that income. Well, you know, you could make $75,000 at a different job. So it's, is that, is that really a reason not to leave the job that you're in? The second thing is that, or the second reason to write those challenges down is that sometimes they really are a challenge and one that you don't have a solution for. So for example, um, I don't know what other career I would do if I didn't do this job. Okay, well, that's a fair challenge. If you don't know how to solve it, now you can start to brainstorm or think about, well, how could you overcome that hurdle or that roadblock? How could you get those answers? How could you identify other opportunities? Maybe through research, maybe through career counseling, maybe through job shadowing, maybe through talking to your network, lots of different ideas. But that would be uh, the other recommendation that I would have. Write those challenges down and then work through each one of them one by one to figure out if it's not really a real challenge or if uh, or the ways that you could work through each of them. That is excellent advice. Well, Megan, thank you. We've covered a fair bit of ground here. Um, and I think what you've said is hopefully enlightening to uh, people who are struggling or have loved ones who are struggling um, and feel stuck. Um, yet feel the urge to leave and that there's something better out there, but they just don't know how to make that pivot. So um, thank you so much, Megan, for all your insights on this episode. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Laura. No problem. It's my pleasure. And we, in two weeks, we're going to release part two of this episode on career fulfillment, making or breaking our work-life wellness. So we are going to dive into how um, being unfulfilled in your career can actually affect your well-being. So thank you very much. If you found this useful, please review it, rate it, share it with others uh, who may be interested and sign up for my monthly e-newsletter full of resources and tools and tips, including blog articles on episodes like this um, at drlaura.live, my website. Thank you and stay well. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.